night at church, my wife and I sat down and met a very kind, very nice, friendly, fun couple, about our age, my age, only to find out that they are Pastor Bob Langfield's kids, or son-in-law and daughter. Bob Langfield, do you know him or remember him? Calvary Chapel in Klamath Falls. And so I asked them, so they moved here to Medford, and I asked them, do you miss Klamath Falls? And they laughed. Can any good thing come out of Klamath Falls? That's the idea. That I didn't say that. That's I, I, I was in Klamath Falls maybe 20 years ago. That's the last time I was there. So if you're in Klamath Falls and listening, please, it's not me, it's the Langfield daughter. <laughs> I just threw under the bus, didn't I? Uh, I don't know if anyone in Klamath Falls is listening anyways. If you are, thank you for listening out there in Klamath Falls. And uh, before I get in any more trouble, let me change the subject right now. Um, welcome to Rogue Grace on this Thursday morning, and we are going to be gathering tonight at 7 o'clock in the upper room, that little building you drive right by before you come into the church, for an hour of prayer. So join us for the hour of prayer this evening. That would be great. The other day, I was going to the my brain surgeon, and uh, I told you a little bit about that. I asked Scott yesterday, did I tell everybody that the brain surgeon said that I, he never wants to see me again? Said, yeah, you told him. Okay, because I don't remember saying anything. And not having a memory isn't that bad, really. It's kind of a nice way to live. You should try it. Just don't go through what I went through, but... Um, I do remember that uh, on the way out, um, I met a, a gentleman, and he used to go to our church here at Applegate, big part of the church, at leadership, and everyone knows him. And I, I, I would say his name, but I didn't. I don't know if he wants me to or not. Probably, I know he wouldn't mind, but well, I'm going to say his name, Joel Snow. There you go. And uh, Joel, he uh, he used to be a big part of the church here at Applegate when I was a little guy, when I was a kid. So he was there as well, and his wife, and um, I don't think he'll mind me saying that I saw him there, because if you know Joel or his wife, you can be praying for them. He would very much appreciate that. So um, his wife was needing to see the, the, the doctor there at the office. So you can keep her in your prayers if you know them. <clears throat> and uh, he recognized me. And uh, as I was coming on my way out with my wife. And um, for some reason, he, I don't know why, but he felt, and I, I'm glad he did. He felt the, the uh, prompting for whatever reason, maybe because we hadn't seen each other for many years. 
um, to tell me that the night before, it was many years ago now, many years ago, when before we had this church building that we're in at Applegate, and it was up in that little uh, Western auto little shed up there, so to speak, that uh, little building to the to the left of the church. If you're looking straight at the church, to the right of the church, if you're looking at it. And so um, he uh, was telling me that up in that building, you know, this is the early, early 80s, um, that my, he, he remembers my mom, Terry, um, coming forward and having her feet washed. That's what he told me. And uh, he doesn't go to our church anymore. He goes, he goes somewhere else. He's a really great Christian still. Loves to witness. And he's telling me he talk, witnesses all the time. So, but he doesn't come to Applegate. Hasn't for a long time. But he said he saw her go up there to get her feet washed. And the next day is when she died. He told me that. That was a couple of days before church. And I didn't know my dad was going to do this. But he brought, he interjected, he included foot washing this past Sunday as part of the service, beautiful part of the service for those that wanted, maybe they'd already been baptized. So like Peter, they didn't need to be washed from head to toe there at the uh, last supper, but just to have their feet washed as Jesus washed the feet of his disciples. That all happened in the same week, in a matter of a couple of days. I don't know. The long you don't we don't have all of the questions in life answered, do we? But it, the longer you live and and by God's grace walk with the Lord, things get a little more clearer, even if it takes thirty years to do so. You find, God, your ways are not my ways. Your ways are higher than my ways. He is so, God is, is so omniscient. He is so surpassing in his knowledge of me that he does things in my life that I don't even know why or it makes no sense. It's, it's interesting that Romans 8 says, and we know that all things work together for good to them that love God. I've noted about that many times. That there in Romans 8, it doesn't say, we know that all things are good. But no, all things work together for the good. I love the example my dad uses of that about a cake mix, right? You take any one of those ingredients by themselves, nah, an egg or just flour or what have you, by itself, not too good at all. Doesn't mean that that's good, that flour is good by itself or the cake mix is good all by itself. It's mixed together with everything that makes it the cake. And and so I love that. It doesn't say all things are good. 
It says all things work together for the good. And that's what God is doing in my life and in your life. And the longer you walk with him, the more you begin to see just how true that is. Hey, let's celebrate a little. I'm putting a little bit of uh, some soul into uh, Rogue Grace with the Brooklyn Tabernacle Choir. We'll be right back.
the crowds, he went up on the mountain. And when he sat down, his disciples came to him. And he opened his mouth and taught them, saying, Blessed are the poor in spirit, for theirs is the kingdom of heaven. Blessed are those who mourn, for they shall be comforted. Blessed are the meek, for they shall inherit the earth. Blessed are those who hunger and thirst for righteousness, for they shall be satisfied. Blessed are the merciful, for they shall receive mercy. Blessed are the pure in heart, for they shall see God. Blessed are the peacemakers, for they shall be called the sons of God. Blessed are those who are persecuted for righteousness' sake, for theirs is the kingdom of heaven. As you know, that comes from what we call the Sermon on the Mount. But did you know that that same sermon is also in the Gospel of Luke, and it says specifically, not that just Jesus was on a mountain, as it does in Matthew, but it says Jesus was in the on the plain, not the P L A N E, obviously, but the P L A I N. So it's not just the Sermon on the Mount; it's also the Sermon on the Plain. It's a sermon he gave more than once. Maybe we might, it's a sermon of the kingdom. We might call it his, uh, his party speech or his political speech. The politics, of course, being the kingdom of God. So he gave this sermon at least on more than one occasion, we can say. campaign speech, so to speak, of a divine campaign, though, the kingdom of heaven, the kingdom of God. But what I want, what I note here is, while it says blessed in this one, in the gospel of Luke, he says, woe to you who are rich, woe to you who are full. Woe to you who are recognized. Blessed are you if you're poor. Blessed are you if you're hungry. Blessed are you if you're grieving. So he's making the contrast of those two kingdoms. Any takers? (laughs) How can this be? Well, of course, you can hear sermons, preaching, and commentaries all kinds on this Sermon on the Mount, many of them beautiful, much better than anything I could ever say. But one thing I'd like to point out this morning, as we consider the blessing of the kingdom and the cursing of the other, the different kingdom, the kingdom of this world, in Jesus's Sermon on the Mount, is that if happiness is what you're seeking after, you will never find it. 
Can I say that again? If I look at what he says, blessed are you when you mourn, blessed are the meek, blessed are those who hunger and thirst for righteousness, blessed are the poor. And then he says, cursed or woe to you if you're rich or full or recognized. These two kingdoms, if happiness is what you are seeking for, you will never find it. And that's true of life, in marriage, in your job. If that's your goal, if that's your aim, to be happy, to make yourself happy, to live for being happy, you'll never find it. I'm not saying God doesn't want you to be happy, but here's how you are happy. The kingdom of God. That's what Jesus is teaching us in the Sermon on the Mount, in these Beatitudes that I just read to you that you are very familiar with. If happiness is what I am seeking, I will never find it. But if the kingdom of God is what I'm seeking, I will be happy. I will be blessed. God wants his people to be blessed. He wants us to be happy. It's just that we don't understand. We don't get what that means. It means living for, centered on the kingdom of God. So if you are living for happiness, woe to you. If you're living for the kingdom of God, you will be happy. That'll preach. We'll be right back. Lord, I come, I confess, bowing here, I find my rest. Without you, I fall apart. Guides my heart, Lord. I need you. Oh, I need you. Every hour, I need you. My one defense, my righteousness.
Hey, if you have any questions about the Bible or um, further comments or thoughts, tomorrow we're going to open up the phone lines. By opening up, I mean, I don't know if anyone's going to call, but we'll have them opened up uh, here on Rogue Grace for Free for All Friday. So uh, keep that in mind if you want. Uh, you can call in during the show, and uh, I'd love to talk with you, uh, just to maybe meet you, perhaps, or to talk to you, or maybe you have a question that we can discuss. Mm, I think that'd be great. So that's um, going to be uh, tomorrow, if the Lord should tarry, of course, you know. Um Once upon a time, there was a time when the throne of judgment issued commandments. The commandments of God is beautiful and pure, but today it's not a throne of judgment for you or I. But what is it? You know, it is a throne of grace. Don't you love that? Let us now come boldly to the throne of grace. I love that that's what the book of Hebrews chapter 4 refers to. The throne of God, not the throne of judgment for you and I who are in Christ. But it is now the throne of grace. It's not where there are commandments issued, but grace that is given. In the Old Testament, there was a throne of judgment. It was the lid of the Ark of the Covenant. And the blood of goats and lambs would be sprinkled on it on the Day of Atonement, Yom Kippur. And you would die coming to that throne of judgment. You couldn't just come in. Only one man could, the high priest, and only then on the Day of Atonement, one day a year. And he had to make all kinds of sacrifices, take all kinds of baths for his own sake before he came in. You would die coming to the throne in the Old Testament. But now we have what the book of Hebrews calls a new and living way. The blood of Jesus was sprinkled on the throne of judgment. The blood is the answer to all your sins. For every disqualification that you think keeps you coming to his throne, the blood has been sprinkled on the mercy seat. The blood has been sprinkled on the ark, on the throne. You know, it's interesting that if you look at ancient thrones, I, I, I was fascinated by this about last year, I think, maybe, maybe a couple years ago now. But it, the Ark of the Covenant really does look like a throne. That is, you keep in the Ark, you keep the Ten Commandments, right, in the box, on top of the ark, as you know, there are two angels with their wings. 
Those angels and their wings look very much like the Middle Eastern thrones of the other communities and ethnic groups, their king's thrones. Thrones were made out of something like that. So often, if you look up in archaeology, these wings were the sides of the throne. And that underneath, you would pull out the, 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 the container where there were the um, covenants made between nations. So his feet, if he's sitting on the throne with those wings on each side, his feet would be on that lid in which enclosed within it were the various treaties or covenants that were made between the king and another nation, between his nation and another nation, or his community and another community. So very much does the Ark of the Covenant, very much is it resembling a throne. You couldn't just come boldly to the throne. It was in the Holy of Holies. But now, the veil has been torn. The blood has been shed. The law has been fulfilled. So now, because every demand has been met, every commandment has been kept for you through Christ, you can come boldly to that throne. I love how it's called the throne of grace. So before you go to that job interview this afternoon, come to the throne of grace. Before you visit the doctor tomorrow, go to the throne of grace. Before you do anything, come first boldly to the throne of grace for grace and for mercy in your time of need. Mercy. It's God not giving you what you deserve, but then grace. God giving you what you don't deserve because Jesus deserves it. Now we are in him. Come boldly to that throne, not of judgment, that throne of grace. What a friend we have in Jesus All our sins and griefs to bear What a privilege to carry Everything to God in prayer Oh, what peace we often
You know what I saw on TV? No, no, not on TV. Uh, on the uh, website, and I and I am not putting my necessarily my stamp of validation or approval on Fuller Seminary, um, but they have something in which there was a this uh, interview given to. Um, Bono, who is the lead singer for U2, as you know, and Eugene Peterson. You remember him? The guy who wrote, well, he had a great, in many ways, um, great books on Psalm 23. And he is the one that penned the 
translation of the Bible called the message, right? Which is a nice read every once in a while. I think I like it. I'm not saying it's perfect, but God's word is perfect. Anyways, um, Bono is a huge, or he really loves, he's a huge fan, I should say. He loves this guy, Philip Keller. And uh, Keller is this old, you know, he looks, he's an old guy. Bono's getting old himself, by the way, in this interview. Happened last year. But they meet at his house, Keller's house in Montana or Wyoming, something like that. And it's just this beautiful little thing. So if you ever want to just YouTube or Google uh, Bono Keller and uh, you'll be blessed. It's about 20 minutes and they talk about the Psalms, the Psalms. So it's pretty cool. Um, the reason I even thought about that is because I'm putting for my next song, a song by you two. So, uh, it brought that back to my mind, my memory. Um, I love what my dad pointed out yesterday, last night in the Bible study. He's so right. It's so true. What he says, don't analyze other people because you don't know the full story. And that's so good. And so true. And then he says, I don't even analyze myself. And he pointed, my dad did, to the Apostle Paul, who says the very thing. I don't even judge myself. I put my judgment, my, my living, my justification, but I, I put that in the hands of God. I'll leave that up to God. I can't even judge myself, Paul said, as my dad pointed out last night at church. I'm so glad to be reminded of that. That I don't have to be analyzing myself. Now, the Holy Spirit will speak to me and you, but the thing about it is, as you know, if you're being led by the Holy Spirit, it's not so much conviction, in my opinion, that is conviction is for the non-believer, the one who needs to be saved by the grace of Jesus Christ. But he does guide us and lead us. And the way you know it's the Holy Spirit is because it makes you want to draw nearer to God. You know it's the devil if it pushes you away from the Lord. See what that the difference is there? How do you know if it's the Holy Spirit or if it's some other spirit, some demon, some devil, even my flesh? Well, if it's the Holy Spirit, you'll be drawing you closer to Jesus. You won't be feeling as though he is angry or you have alienated yourself from him. No, you will feel as though I need to get with spend time with, be in the presence of Jesus. I just, I, I'm, he wants me to, and I need to be there. That's the Holy Spirit. Moving away from sin, moving away from flesh, 
moving away from distractions, moving to Jesus, spending time with Jesus, that's the Holy Spirit. But if it's something like, oh, I'm in trouble, God is angry, there's no rest for my soul, that's not the Holy Spirit, that's some other spirit. Look within, be depressed. Look around, be distressed. Look at Jesus, be at rest. We'll finish up right after this song by Bono.
C.S. Lewis pointed out that pride is never in just having something. Because if it were, there would be nothing to be proud of. If everybody had it, right? But he points out what precipitates pride is having more of something than another person has. And that is why the pursuit to prove one is righteous is always accompanied by pride. I do more good works. I have better behavior. I have my act more together than this person or that person. That's why the pursuit of righteousness and pride go hand in hand. If we all were righteous, there can be no pride. And that is why in Christ, we are all righteous, you and I. And that is why you nor I can have any pride. One cannot aspire to self-righteousness and escape the worst sin of all, which is pride. That is a little excerpt from my book. It is finished. Yeah, I mean, the book is finished, but that's what it's called. It is finished. You can get that on my website if you want. PeterJohnCorson.com. I also wrote something yesterday. Quick little read on there if you want to, as well as you can get podcasts for the radio program and all of that stuff. So tonight at seven o'clock in the upper room, we will be gathering. Jesus said, where there are two or more gathered in my name, I will be in the literally center of you. He's going to be right there in the center, not on the edge, but in the center of our presence of our company. So don't you want to come? Why not? If Jesus is the center, that'll be at seven o'clock tonight, tomorrow night, Greg and Taryn Eckler will be having their one step program. Their we call it one step, not 12 steps, one step. Just take that one step to Jesus Christ. Nothing wrong with 12 steps. There's some good things there, in my humble opinion. But it'll get you nowhere if you don't take that one step. So join them in the Agape House. Is that what it's called? My brain. It's something. I think it's called that. Right here on the campus of Applegate Christian Fellowship. I remember the name of our church. I'm so proud of myself for that. So may the Lord bless you and keep you. If I don't see you tonight, I look forward to seeing you on Sunday, unless I see you in heaven first, because Jesus, boy Jesus, come back today. Lord, bless anyone who is listening with the peace, the shalom of God. Because Jesus has paid the price for our sins, I ask that now we would walk in uprightness, not in order to gain salvation, but because we have salvation. In your name I pray. Amen.